Welcome to Calling It Out, the podcast dedicated to calling out the BS in your head and teaching you how to free yourself from an eating disorder or an eating distress. Throughout this podcast, we'll be looking at the way we think and how it impacts our behaviours. With each episode, we'll be teaching you how you can change your thinking in order to lead a freer life. I'll be your host, Jacqueline Campion. For this week's episode, I have decided to look at the topic of shame. So hopefully that hasn't completely terrified you um, straight away. But I really, it's just kind of keeps coming up as I'm continuing to record the episodes that it just has to be looked at. At the moment, in the last couple of months, what I've been noticing in the centre is that the intensity of shame seems to be growing. Um, which often kind of confuses me to, because I'm often kind of hearing, um, you know, we're we're still talking a lot about kind of removing stigmas and things like that. But um, in the area of eating distress and emotional stress, especially eating distress, I'm definitely experiencing shame is actually getting stronger. And it's a massive, massive obstacle in the area of recovery. So I just want to explore today. So the first thing I want to kind of look at is what's the definition of shame? So last week with episode uh, nine, I completely overthought um, a lot of the answers. So I have literally only a question written here, so I kind of need to think about it. So my definition of shame is probably from my own experience and what I experienced through um, working with people at Merino is a deep sense of something wrong with you. So sometimes you can experience something where like you kind of have maybe guilt, whereas shame is something that you personally it's like a personal attack so it's not necessarily that you've done something wrong it's that you are wrong and that you it's like I suppose the the first word that came to mind when I was thinking about what's my definition of shame it's that kind of it's a bit of a gut-wrenching kind of feeling and why I'm talking about that and kind of describing it a little bit is I'll go into a little bit more detail later on but like it's important to even check in with what it feels like because I think there's so many of us experiencing shame and we don't even realise it. So I suppose for me, it's from my own experience is that like just deeper than a sense of embarrassment um, really just a sense of disgust um, and hyperactive really and consistent rejection of yourself based on the judgment and the beliefs and the opinions that haven't accumulated um, over some time. Um, So that's my definition of shame. It's not necessarily the lightest topic, but I think we can learn to approach it in a much lighter way because um, not everybody experiences maybe necessarily the same kind of intensity of shame and when they don't maybe experience an emotional distress or an eating distress but many of us um, often feel like there's something that makes us maybe unworthy or different or embarrassed as I said embarrassed is a little bit more of a lighter term the shame is it's kind of it's deeper and and it's carried it's carried with us um, kind of yeah 
everywhere and, and kind of determines a lot of stuff. So why is it important to look at this topic when recovering? OK, so before coming to record this episode, I was literally like a ball of emotion. There was like just a cocktail of feels going on. Um, for me personally, why I want to address this is that um, without addressing our own kind of personal shame, there can be no collective change going on um, universally. So for me, I've been finding the podcast quite challenging recently. I'm definitely learning a lot. And the more that they're being put out there, I definitely feel way more exposed and way more vulnerable. And that's definitely bringing up some stuff. But I suppose what I keep bringing it back to at the moment is that like, what is the purpose of these podcasts? And the purpose of these podcasts for me is to put out a message where we can share our experiences together so we can learn and we can actually minimize the the unnecessary kind of intensity in suffering that is happening. Um, so that, so why I want to actually talk about shame is that there's a lot of a conversations, especially in the last week or so, and there's so many messages about be kind and take responsibility for what you say and, you know, how things need to change about how we speak to one another offline, online. But one thing is, is that like collective change cannot happen with any sort of personal change. If you don't address your own shames um, your own vulnerabilities, where the, the, the parts of yourself where you sometimes find yourself rejecting or trying to hide, then literally nothing can happen. So in terms of recovery, if you don't allow yourself to actually address and accept the idea that there's certain parts that you deem not good enough, unacceptable, unlovable. Um, I don't always like saying the word disgust, but it literally goes to that that point. And I think it's important for us to often why I'm sharing that is that like to share those kind of experiences to kind of remind ourselves that um, that we're not alone with it. So looking at shame, it's 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 a wonderful opportunity to kind of point us in the direction of like, where we can start um, a conversation. I think shame's, shame is full of opinions and black and white ideas about what is right and what is wrong. And obviously with human beings, there's so many of us that we have opinions. And um, before I was highly, highly opinionated and, and massively attached to them. And I have definitely, um, I have said and done things that at the time I would have felt a lot of shame around it. Um but it's about even kind of legalizing that, yes, we all definitely make mistakes, but we can learn from it. And as I said, it's it's you, you can't have shame without judgment. Um, there's even to a point now when people are when people are being maybe cruel, when people are being harsh, we end up even judging them as a result of that. So it's more about like getting curious and really questioning the story in your head that is trying to convince you so much that there is something wrong with you and there is something that you should be probably hiding, whether that be the way that you think, whether that is your body, whether that is your re- relationships, um, your your lack of relationships, anything like that. It's, it's, um, it's an opportunity to kind of be questioning that. So what kind of shame? So I wanted to look at like what kind of shame do people 
um, with eating distress or emotional stress usually experienced. So on the Merino Instagram page, so at Merino TC, I put out a question. I put out a little poll or whatever um, asking basically how have have people have you ever experienced or do you experience shame as a result of your eating distress or emotional distress? The result that came back was 100 percent apart from one fake account that was a robot that said no, which is probably, you know, interesting. Only the robot was saying no. Um, 100 percent came back with experience and shame. And I don't normally um, get so emotionally charged with that kind of feedback, but it genuinely is quite um, I found it quite painful um, because what the kind of poll kind of communicated to me was that we still have so many people that are unnecessarily suffering and this is the whole point of the podcast that whatever you're experiencing whatever you feel like you're we often torture ourselves or sometimes even other people as a result of our internal kind of turmoil um unnecessary suffering you know how can we eliminate it um that's really, I suppose, kind of what recovery is about. So what kind of shame? So it was interesting. So obviously 100 percent if it's 2020. So where are we kind of getting it wrong that we're talking so much about mental health? We're, we're just talking so much. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of talk sometimes more than even listening. And I think in terms of even melting kind of shame, the, the way to kind of do that, I'll go into a little bit more detail, but like it's an opportunity to listen. You know, if somebody if somebody is experiencing something, if you are experiencing something that, you know, you feel is deeply shameful, it's about creating space and you can create space if you keep talking. Now, I know that might sound a little bit maybe ironic since I have a podcast and it's only me on it. But I suppose that me talking, I'm, I'm more one to kind of get you to be asking questions and create that space for yourself to actually be curious about something. Even when somebody some, when somebody shares something with you and you feel like an automatic judgment, you know, just kind of clock that, bring awareness to that, bring presence to that, because that's the only way that we can actually kind of end any sort of unnecessary suffering. And that's ultimately what recovery is. So the kind of shame that people with eating distress are experiencing, a lot of people were writing in. Um, and again, I didn't find it necessarily the easiest because obviously personally, like, I suppose my own experiences with shame for me. Um, yeah, I always felt like I was probably the the problem in most situations. And a lot of the time um, the solution to that is to, to get rid of the problem. So sometimes we can make ourselves very small um, or sometimes we can go to the opposite of that, where we make ourselves very loud, very big, very aggressive. Um, they're two sides of the same coin. The, the the deepest shame that I probably carried for a long time was how I treated certain people um, very close to me. Um, it's something that still brings up a lot of emotion when I talk about it, but how I treated people and kind of how unaware I was of that at the time. So I think just sometimes maybe checking in with yourself. If you find yourself kind of reposting tweets about being kind to one another, just maybe do a little personal checklist with kind of how kind you were to yourself and the people in your closest environments. Because a lot of the time, the people we feel safest with, um, especially in experiencing emotional distress and eating distress, we often give them the sharpest edge of the knife. So just kind of aiming towards that kind of integrity, not that you're perfect, 
contract but that kind of integrity that what you do when nobody's looking is the same with what you kind of post out and what you what you may be right about or what you're trying to promote um because as I said, if you want to kind of be looking towards a collective change, it needs to start personally. So, for example, a lot of people were sharing in and I genuinely thank for, for anybody who wrote in um, to the Marino TC Instagram. I am so grateful because I'm such a huge believer that we can only get more understanding um, and then meld shame if more of us are sharing our own experiences. That's why the kind of the the Instagram and the blogs and the website and the workshops and people recovering, sharing their stories. It's really just incredible for what it kind of does for the whole kind of freedom movement, if you would, or a little underground revolution. So some of the bits of shame, why I want to share them is that I just want to really kind of hammer home the idea that whatever you're experiencing at the moment, whatever you're finding challenging, you are not alone with it. And I think in terms of shame, fundamentally, it's that kind of thought or belief that we're different or disconnected to the rest of the world. Um, And that's the beauty of recovery, that sometimes it's these opportunities that they they're like precursors for much more connection. So whatever it is that you're experiencing, it might be in distress or even emotional stress, but you're not alone with it. So I just wanted to I just wanted to share a few of these. So some people are thinking, OK, maybe it, it, the kind of shame that they experienced, but it was the idea that they were weak or that something was wrong with them. Um, another person shared that it, that it wasn't taken seriously, that people only thought it was about food. Um, and that it was attention seeking. Um, other freedom fighters were sharing their shame around the fact that they, they were they were so ashamed that they were completely obsessed around food and they didn't have kind of inverted commas, a normal relationship with food, that they were embarrassed of their behaviours. Why couldn't they cope with like other people? Um, it felt like that they were a failure. They were embarrassed. They were secretive because of the behaviours. So much came in about the shame about behaviours. And what we do is not who we are. It's given us information with the way that we think and the beliefs that we have. And even if you just remind yourself on the daily basis that like my behaviours are information. I think sometimes now as well when there's so much talk and there's so much out there even about self-help and kind of supporting ourselves. There's almost more pressure on us now to kind of get our to get our shit together, for want of a better word. So if 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 you seem to have a little bit of a blip um, and of course you don't have the mercury retrograde to be blaming it's almost like what's wrong with me why did this happen this shouldn't have happened um, so it was just really interesting as well even the kind of shame that people had around that they associate eating distress with self-obsession and that they saw that as like a personal weakness so there's a lot of ideas of like something's wrong with me I'm weak I'm a failure and that doesn't even have to necessarily deal with um, eating distress that could be maybe with your with your job with uh, with your relationship status you know, um, with your income, with, you know, how much money is in the bank, how much money isn't in the bank. Um, all these different ideas where we can have so much shame because we have an idea that other people are maybe, excuse me, doing it a little bit better. So the reason I wanted to share that is that like some of you may, be, I know I could definitely relate, like when people were sending the answers in, that was exactly it for me. Like I really had a strong sense of like, not like what I had done had failed, but like, I am a failure. And that's what I identified with. 
Um, so it's just those opportunities. It might sound a little bit depressing when you're kind of saying these things, but genuinely it's like it's as I said, it's your precursor for liberation. When you get to a point where you're like, yes, I do actually feel like a failure. Yes, I do feel like I'm a mistake. Yes, I do feel like the world would be better off without me and I only bring problems. When you get to that kind of place where you're like, I suppose even accepting that and aware of it, that's literally the beginning of just of, of melting it. So um, how, how do you identify shame? So this is quite an interesting one because I think it's important to kind of look at how to identify shame because I am experiencing at the moment quite a lot um, in one to one sessions that people aren't even aware with how much kind of shame that they are carrying. And I suppose another thing in terms of eating distress and emotional distress it would be impossible not to mention loneliness when talking about shame. I think at the moment, loneliness is, as I said, it's often one of the, the biggest killers. And it can be one of, as I said, you don't have to be experienced in eating distress or emotional stress, but it can be so challenging for each and every one of us to kind of be reaching out and just say like, yeah, I feel like I feel quite lonely. Um, again, there's often an association to that. And and instead of overanalyzing, what does that mean? Why am I lonely? I shouldn't be lonely. I have people in my life or things like that. Actually, just kind of like, OK, acknowledging it. Um, so I think kind of like, how do you identify shame? A lot there's there's, as I said, there's kind of two sides to the same coin. So it can be really trying to ultimately trying to make ourselves disappear. Yeah. To a point of even like your handwriting, like Sometimes people with emotional distress and eating distress often write tiny to a point where like you can't even see it because you don't even you're so ashamed of yourself that you just don't even want to be seen or heard because there's a lot of storytelling. There's a lot of kind of um, old beliefs there that have been kind of being solidifying for a while. So really trying to make yourself disappear with a lot of things. You don't want to be noticed. You don't want to be heard. You don't want to be seen. Um, making yourself small, your posture, you know, even simple things. What's your body language like? You know, when you walk around, are your shoulders, are your shoulders back? You know, is your head up? You know, personally, I used to be just walking around as if I was counting all the chewing gums on the ground like that. I wouldn't even be making eye contact with people. And it's simple things like that of like, how's my body language? You know, am I kind of walking as if I'm equal? And you don't have to kind of believe it or even agree with it um, before you kind of practice it. But it's a simple way just to kind of check in that you're not like just... I suppose even like allowing yourself to take up some space, like to a point with obviously sometimes we're so embarrassed, we don't even want to take up space on the bus. We don't want to take up space on the on the street or anything like that. So just we often are making ourselves very small. So just watch for your body language. Um, you know, if you're a parent or a carer that is listening to the podcast, you know, just checking in with either your partner or your your child's um, his or hers kind of body language and even the way that so even speaking very low and things like that, that would give us a lot of information that there's a lot of shame there and a lot of kind of self-rejection going on. Sometimes that can be quite frustrating behavior for a carer. Um, but it's just important to kind of realize that it's not actually personal, that there's much kind of deeper stuff happening. Um, now, there is a there is a line there that when obviously if somebody is becoming quite maybe rude or extreme in terms of isolation and aggressive, that that does require boundaries. But we will be doing an episode um, specifically for uh, parents and carers. So I'll go into more detail with that. Um, so yeah, hi, again, the opposite side of it. Um, I would have definitely experienced both. So what I was talking about, we're kind of even making ourselves small. We can kind of go the opposite. Um, you can kind of go quite um, aggressive 
with your body language, with your tone of voice, with your opinions. Um, there's a lot of energy going into trying to look really kind of assertive and checking in with your lingo. Like if, if you find yourself in a place where you actually think that your opinions are facts, that is definitely a sign of a lot of shame and kind of self-rejection because a lot of the time we reject a lot of people's kind of alternative ideas or approaches to something because we are so tied in and identified with and connecting with our own kind of beliefs about ourselves and the world and there can often be a lot of kind of shame um tied into those so that's kind of like how to how to identify it um Sometimes a little bit of over justifying. I mean, kind of like when you're like overcompensating for something um, it can often be a bit of an indication of how to identify shame. So there's a lot of ways to kind of be identifying it. Um, so how do we melt it? How do you get rid of shame? Um Right. What comes to mind first when you get rid of it? I suppose the word compassion comes in straight away, but I suppose another word is like conversation and the idea of exploring. I suppose it comes back to, OK, to simplify it, it comes back to what I'm always saying, like awareness. Um, get curious about what you're really kind of adamant on, even if you're really adamant that you're not good enough. If you're really adamant that you're not deserving, if you're really adamant that you're the problem and everything would be fine if you went away or the opposite where you're really adamant that everyone else is the problem. And if they went away, life would be easy. Um, yeah, getting a little bit of awareness of maybe where you're quite stuck on something there, because, as I said, we can be really holding on to these ideas because we're terrified about kind of what happens. You know, we can be so embarrassed, like if we let people hear us and see us and what if they find out how really terrible that we are? Um, so I suppose how to melt it is really just starting to have conversations and and practice kind of adapting an attitude where like no matter what your opinion is, it, it's not necessarily right. It's more about whether it's helpful or not. If 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 you find yourself incapable of having a conversation without either completely bound down to the other person's opinion or the opposite where you have to be right Get curious about really what is it that you're actually rejecting underneath all the noise. Um, for me personally, I just want to, it's probably easier for me to kind of answer the question like that. For me personally, with this, there, there are so many things that I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely not proud of um, and definitely had to kind of work a lot on healing. I suppose even sometimes talking about it, it's not, it's not the easiest thing for me to talk about, but the difference is I, I still feel the emotion when I think about those things. Um, but the difference is I don't kind of take it out myself and punish myself as a result of it. It's more just kind of sometimes it just either feels like a kind of maybe a little bit of a sadness um, or just a little kind of cocktail. But I suppose to heal the shame is that like really <sighs> forgiveness for me is massive Um that allowing myself to stop wasting time with the consistent torture of what I said or what I did um, and actually kind of ask myself, like, am I ready to forgive myself for that? You know, 
Um, and that that definitely took some time for me. Um, it required a lot of, I suppose, first I had to kind of forgive myself. Um, in terms of even relationships with other people, I definitely um, asked them for a bit of forgiveness. Um, that wasn't always granted. It doesn't always work out like that. But I suppose it's just kind of having that compassion for just being a human being and taking the pressure off of like that we all have to perform perfect, that we're all just really we're all just winging it. We're all just doing our best to try with what we know now. And even when people do things that you really just think are awful and horrific and terrible, just maybe watch your own reaction to them first before um yeah, before you kind of get lost in the reaction, just bring a little bit of presence to what your initial reaction is to it. That's definitely kind of helps with melting it. Just a couple of things that people were sharing here as well is that um, I asked the question of like what people found quite helpful. Um, now I can't find it. OK, so I suppose a lot of it was it's really powerful. And I suppose it's again, really and, and thank you and for anybody who sent these in, really valuing the importance of sharing our own experiences so we can get a greater understanding, learn more and move forward. So when I started to focus on how far I've come and I realized I'm far from I'm far from being the only one. And when I found out and I when I found out it wasn't to do with the food and it was that was only a coping mechanism, it took the guilt away. Um, another another person has shared, you know, that I'm that I'm not my ED, that I am a person that people found it quite helpful saying being honest with people who are listening without without judgment, compassion, focusing on myself and learning that you cannot control what other people think. Another massive one is to turn shame to gratitude that I wouldn't be the person I am now without ED and recovery. And I think that's really kind of connected to what I was speaking about in the last um, or the I think it was episode eight talking about obstacles that really um, shift in that energy to kind of not wasting it on the kind of torturing ourselves consistently. But like, what can I do about this? And then having a deep sense of gratitude to really what lessons can be learned here, you know, embracing my sensitivity um, that I'm not my ED and I'm not my behaviors. You are not your behaviors. That is just information. And it's so important to separate the two. There's the conditioned thinking and then there's the real you. Um, and I suppose as well, other people found it quite helpful that knowing that everybody is going through things and that sharing can connect us. And I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, this is it, whatever it is that you might be finding challenging, um, either with personal experiences or as a care or as a parent or as a friend that whatever it is that you're experiencing, even just by finding a place for you that you feel safe or a person for you that you feel safe with, that you can share that with, that person might necessarily fully understand. But the more we kind of, I suppose, allow ourselves to be human and drop the story a little bit about kind of how wrong and different that we are, it's it's one step closer to melting um, really shame and judging collectively. Um, so, yeah, so that is everything for um, form from episode. So episode 10 feels like a bit of a milestone. Um, I have probably learned more about myself to these podcasts than anything else. Um, it's not always been comfortable, but it's definitely worth it. So thank you so much for listening. Um, again, if you find them helpful, 
I would really appreciate if you if you could rate or subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it. Um, and just to keep in mind as well that the group sessions are at Marino every Tuesday evening from 7.30 to 9. That's just people with personal experiences. On Saturday mornings, they're from 10.30 to 12. Um, carers and friends are welcome to come along as well as people with personal experiences. And our next recovery workshop is going to be April 19th. So if you want any more information on that, just contact us through the Instagram page at Marino TC. So thank you very much for listening.